All right, well, we're going to get started. If you please turn in your Bible to Luke 18 tonight, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17, which will teach us about the properness of prayer, particularly when it comes to children. We're going to be looking at this passage in relation to our study that's titled Principles on Prayer from the Life of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And just so you remember, it's a six-part study, and tonight we're going to finish section four, which is Principles on Prayer from the Mentoring of Jesus. From these often secluded times when Jesus would teach his apostles, uh, we've seen the priority of prayer, pattern of prayer, persistence of prayer, the protection of prayer, and the perseverance of prayer. And so tonight, while I get my microphone fixed here, uh, we will consider the properness of prayer from Luke 18, 15 through 17. But first... Let's ask the Lord to teach us afresh tonight from his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this passage of scripture that we get to look at tonight. We thank you for how it reminds us of who we are in Christ. We thank you for how it reminds us of what our spirit ought to be in prayer and in ministry. We thank you for how it reminds us of the lessons that we can learn even from children. And so, Father, we pray that you would do a work in our hearts tonight uh, through uh, your word and the teaching of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we dive in tonight, I want you to notice, if you have your Bible open, hopefully you do, I want you to notice that just before this passage, in verses 9 through 14, Jesus gives a parable about really what type of people enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, A Pharisee and a tax collector go to a prayer meeting is basically the story. And what we see in Jesus' story is that those who enter the kingdom of God are not the self-respecting individuals who work hard and try to create a righteousness and a morality in order to be accepted before God. Rather, those who enter into God's kingdom are the lowly, they're the humble, they're the broken, they are those who recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt, destitute, and in need of nothing but mercy. Uh, And so an honest, bankrupt, destitute sinner who asks God to mercifully apply His honest redemption to them, these are the souls who go home justified and no one else. So in other words, Jesus teaches a parable whose lesson is only the lowly enter the kingdom of God. Then, as we'll see uh, tonight, no one illustrates that truth better than a baby. If you think about it, who can achieve less towards salvation than a baby? Who can do less works than a baby? Who can accomplish less obedience than a baby? Who can be less committed to God than a tiny baby that perhaps doesn't even know at that moment that God exists? He just wants to know, where's his next meal coming from? A baby can achieve and accomplish nothing salvifically in the eyes of God. And as Jesus is going to teach us tonight, those are exactly the type of people who will get into the kingdom. It is only the type of people uh, that recognize that they can achieve, contribute, and accomplish nothing. And therefore, children, what we're going to see tonight, and I'm kind of giving you a little bit of what the ending is going to look like, children are not to be on the outskirts of our lives and ministries. They are to be essential. And I want you to just be thinking about this before we go into this passage. Children should occupy an important position in your life, in the life of the church, particularly in their prayers, because children occupy an important position in the kingdom of God. In short, what we're going to see tonight is that children should be prayed for and children should be praying. 
It is proper, it is right, and it ought to be happening. Let me put it this way. We ought to be thinking, not, I've got this great ministry idea. Man, what are we going to do with the kids? Our thoughts should be more bent to this. Wow, I've got this great ministry idea. How are we going to involve them? That's quite a, quite a change in how most churches look at their ministries. Uh, in other words, I want people, I do want people, as a pastor, I want people who come to church in order to get away from kids to be sorely disappointed. Children ought not to be avoided from what we see from the life of Christ. They ought to be embraced. They ought not to be pushed away. They ought to be purposely included. Why? Because of what Jesus did in this passage. Let me show you. Luke sets the stage in verse 15 by saying this. Let me catch up here. <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 15, it says, Now they were beginning, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And this didn't just happen at a random time. We know from the parallel passages in Matthew 19 and Mark 10 that Jesus was in the middle of a very important discussion regarding marriage, divorce, and family. I mean, this was, this was some pretty serious stuff. And in the midst of that lesson, parents begin to move forward in the crowd, bringing their children and even their infants up to Christ. That word infants is brephos in the Greek. It means nursing infants. So this is the smallest of the small. And so they were bringing even babies in their arms up to Jesus so that as Luke records here, Jesus might touch them. And by touch them, we know again from Matthew and Mark that that was actually uh, to lay his hands on those children and to pray for them. To pray for them. By the way, I have to think what a testimony this is of the character of Christ because Jesus was the type of person that for zeal of his father's house he could pick up a whip and empty the entire temple. And he was also someone that was so lowly and meek a spirit that parents wanted to bring their infants up to them so that he could lay his hands on them and pray over them. This was the character of Christ. Jesus loved the little children. It is true. Uh, In one particular instance in Matthew 21, when Jesus entered Jerusalem triumphantly, it tells us that the little children were praising him in the streets. And when the Jewish leaders walked up to him, indignant at this, uh, and they asked him uh, if he knew what they were doing, he said, Yes, have you never read, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? You see, Jesus wasn't ashamed of the little children's praise. He gloried in it. He loved it. On another occasion, when his disciples got into an argument about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God, Jesus turns around and then, without a word, places a little child in their midst as the answer to their argument. And as the entire disciples are sitting there in absolute shock, Jesus says to all of them, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus loved the little children. And so these parents, concerned about the future of their children in regards to God and His kingdom, they come forward in the midst of Jesus' teaching, hoping that Jesus might pray to God and show some goodness and blessing to their child. Look at the end of verse 15. It says, And when the disciples saw it, they did what? They rebuked them. Even though it was very important for these parents to have their children prayed for, the disciples decided it's not important at all. And so, when these disciples saw that these parents were moving forward with their little ones in tow, they began to rebuke them, reprimand them, that's the word, angrily condemn them that they were out of line. And in so doing, by the way, Jesus' disciples were simply reflecting the same type of standards that the Pharisees showed. The Pharisees' works-based system of religion had no place in it for infants and for children. 
Because infants and children, they didn't know anything. They didn't believe anything. They couldn't accomplish anything. In the minds of the Pharisees, they were nothing but an interruption and an intrusion on the more important matters of life. We ought to be talking to the people that really matter. There was no place for infants and children in the kingdom in their mind and were worth very little until they grew old enough to finally be able to contribute something to the conversation. And so right after Jesus tells a parable about those who exalt themselves and look down on others, what do we find Jesus' disciples doing? Exalting themselves and looking down on others. These important theological discussions they're saying regarding the kingdom are no place for children. They're exalting themselves. They're doing the very thing that Jesus condemned. As a result, Mark 10 verse 14 tells us this, that Jesus, when he saw this, was indignant. That means in the Greek he was angry. He was furious at what he saw his disciples doing. The disciples were dead wrong, seeing his very own followers stopping those babies from coming to him made Jesus very, very angry. Why? Because as we'll see soon, those infants and children were not out of place being put next to Jesus and under his special care beneath his teaching and his prayers. They were in the right place, right where they belonged, right where they deserved to be. And so Jesus doesn't rebuke those parents. He says in verse 16, says, Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Now, as I was thinking about this, I all of a sudden realized that this is something that is very, very important. Because what Jesus is about to do is he's about to bless non-believers. That is what these children are. They are so young, they are unable to understand the truth, let alone believe it. They are non-believers, and yet Jesus is about to take them up in his arms and bless them. He is about to pray for them. You need to understand that Jesus never, ever, 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 do you get the point, do this anywhere else in the gospels even in john chapter 17 jesus makes it clear i don't pray for this world but i pray for those whom you have given me and yet jesus prays for these children what does that indicate that indicates that when it comes to infants and young children they are put in a very unique category by god even though these infants are non-believers because they're unable to believe jesus by blessing and praying for them, indicates that they actually belong to the kingdom of God in some very special and unique way. And so Jesus responds to the request of these loving parents by saying, yeah, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. They want me to pray for them, I will pray for them. Why? For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And I love how that's stated because it is wonderful, simple, clear, and unqualified. Let the children come to me for to such. To infants and to children belong the kingdom of God. It's theirs. It belongs to such as these. They possess it. It is very strong language. Infants are in the kingdom of God because they are in the category of infants. Children are in the kingdom of God because they are in the category of children. That is it. There are no other qualifications that Jesus gives here. Jesus doesn't say that they're in the kingdom because they're circumcised or they're baptized or they had the sign of the covenant applied to them or anything like that. He doesn't say they're in the kingdom because of their parents' faith. He simply says the kingdom of God belongs to those in this category, to infants and to children, to those who, borrowing the language of Jonah 4.11, still don't know their right hand from their left, who still don't understand righteousness and unrighteousness in relationship to God, who still have not reached what theologians call the age of accountability. 
There is an unrestrained joy behind what Jesus says here in this passage. Babies and children belong to the kingdom, and the kingdom belongs to them simply because of who they are. Babies and children. Now, I have to ask ourselves, in what way does the kingdom of God belong to children? It's certainly not in terms of ownership, because we're talking about the kingdom of who? God. So in what way does the kingdom of God belong to children? I wish I had a lot of time to go into it tonight, but I'll just give you two ways, okay? It's in this way, in general, in this way, children are blessed with a unique and special status in relationship to the saving kingdom of God. They get special treatment, if you wanted to put it that way. It's kind of like what happens, now this is a very poor illustration, but it came to me and maybe it's helpful. Uh, It's like what happens with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, And charities like that, right? A child might win a trip to Disney World, right? And what do they tell them that day? It's yours for the day, right? They open up the gates. It's yours for the day. Uh, That's kind of what's being said here. Children are blessed with a unique and special status in relationship to the saving kingdom of God. In terms of what Scripture says, the kingdom of God belongs to infants and children in these two ways. First, God gives children a special provision. And second, God makes childhood a special period. And I wish I had time to dive into these more, but again, I just need to mention these two and move on. First, God gives childhood a special provision. God does something unique for infants and children that He does not do for anyone else. He shelters them under a special grace until they themselves become aware and accountable for where they stand before God. The greatest evidence of this uh, is what happens to them when they die. They go to heaven. They go to heaven. I'm convinced of this. Again, I don't have time to show you this. This is for another separate sermon, but I want to get you thinking tonight. Isaiah 7, verse 16 describes a time before a child knows how to and choose good. And when a child is in that state, God declares them, according to Jeremiah 19, verse 4, as innocent, and he deals with them in mercy. You see this in Jonah 4.11 with those who were in Nineveh. You see this in Deuteronomy 1, verse 39, with the Israelites, the children of those who rebelled against God. They're treated very differently than those who understood right and wrong. In short, infants and children who die are saved by an act of God's sovereign, unmerited, undeserved grace, You say, I have a hard time believing it. Well, you better not, because that's exactly how you were saved yourself. By grace alone. Trust me, I've poured over this ever since our infant daughter passed away almost six years ago this September. God claims all infants and children who die as His own. Ezekiel 16, verse 20 talks about those children that were offered up to Molech, to pagan sacrifices. God turns to them and he says, those are my children. I have a question for you. Where do God's children go when they die? They go into his presence, don't they? You see Job 3, verse 13 and verse 7, or uh, Job 3, 13 and 17, Job says it would have been better if I passed away in my youth. Now he was in depression, but he said it would have been better if I passed away in my youth because then I would have gone to a place of rest. You say, well, I think that's just the grave. Well, that's not true because 2 Samuel 12, 15-23, when David lost his child, his son, uh, he said that that child will not come to me, but I will go to it. And you say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean the grave? No, because David says in Psalm 17, verse 15, that he says, I'm going to go into the presence of the Lord. That's where my child's gone. 
So every young child and innocent infant who dies belongs to God and goes instantly to heaven. By the way, I understand this is a very sensitive topic, so if you want to talk to me about it afterwards, I'd love to talk to you about it. I studied it. It is wonderful. Good news. Hope you can cling to in the midst of some of life's hardest circumstances. God gives childhood a special provision. To such belong the kingdom of God. But secondly, and I think this is what Jesus is really emphasizing here, is God makes childhood a special period. And I think this is reflected in what Jesus is about to say in verse 17 when he says that you must receive the kingdom of God. How? Like an adult who's filled with wisdom and understands the world completely and is totally self-sufficient. No. You must receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Childhood is a special period of time when young hearts are uniquely open to the kingdom of God. When one is a child, what is necessary, the single thing that is necessary for salvation is pressed into them with the most effectiveness, just by the nature of them being a child, and that is humility. Humble dependence. This is the everyday experience of a child. If you think about it, they humbly entreat and entrust themselves to others to take care of them, to give them clothes, to give them food, drink, protection. I mean, Ethan keeps us busy throughout the day. You put a plate in front of him, he wants something else too. I mean, he will keep on going at it. And it's not a big step for children to understand the idea that, hey, There is someone bigger, even bigger than my parents, who take care of all of us uh, that I need to trust and listen to. His name is God. So childhood is a very special period of time when children are most impressionable for the gospel. They aren't yet in open rebellion. Their time and season of sin has not been as long as others. You can talk to them about God, about His Word, about the gospel, and they tend to listen At least what I've seen in counseling, they understand what it means to be helpless. They understand what it means to be small. They understand what it means to be dependent. There is a providential grace over them during childhood simply by virtue of being children. They are at this time in their life most tender and most open to the gospel. They're like sponges, aren't they? And that's why we have to be very careful what they're exposed to. We have to teach them the gospel, model to them the gospel, love them with the gospel when they're most receptive, because to, the, to such belong the kingdom of God. So that's the reasoning of why Jesus says, what are you doing hindering them to come to me? Let the little children come, because to such belong the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God belongs to them. This is a blessing that Jesus bestowed upon the children that day. And so those infants and children were not out of place being placed right next to Jesus and under His special care. They were in the right place, right where they belonged, right where they deserve to be. The second reason why Jesus' followers ought to let the little children come to him is because they're the best illustration of how someone is saved. Look at verse 17. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So what were the disciples doing? They were denying children access to Jesus when it is only those who are like children who will ever be saved by Jesus. Little children and infants can't merit anything to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, neither can you. And you will never enter the kingdom until you realize that. The only way you can enter the kingdom is by God's sovereign, unmerited grace invading your life when you know you have earned nothing of it. Like a little infant or child, you've achieved nothing, believer. You've accomplished nothing. You've earned nothing. You deserve nothing. Your hands are empty. But if you come to God in trusting humility, crying out like the tax collector of the parable Jesus just taught, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, 
And if you come to God in dependence like a little child, trusting in Him to give you everything you need for righteousness, acceptance, and salvation, you will be saved. For to such belong the kingdom of God. And so this was an important passage to teach in relationship to what we see in prayer and children. Children were not at the outskirts of Jesus' life or kingdom. They occupy an important position. Jesus welcomed the little children into his times of teaching, into his times of spiritual discussion. Jesus welcomed the little children into his life and into his relationships. Jesus welcomed the little children into his arms and into his prayers. And on a daily basis, even today and as I am speaking, he is welcoming the little children into his kingdom. Question, in light of all this, Do children occupy an important position in your life? Particularly in your prayers? They should. Because children occupy an important position in the kingdom of God. Do you, like Christ, make time for the children of this church? I would encourage you, to let the little children come to you, just like Jesus did. I don't care how old you are, right? You might sit there and say, oh, I don't have anything in common. That's not true. Actually, if you're a believer, according to what Jesus teaches in this passage, you have a lot more in common with children than you realize, or you ought to. Build a relationship with them. Become a friend to a child. Secondly, I would encourage you to pray for them, just like Jesus did. How many children are on our church prayer list tonight? Not many, if any. Why is that? Who's praying for the children of our church? That's why if you walked in, I had Susan create for me a list of all the kids of our church, That and there's probably some missing, and so just take it with a grain of salt. Um, of all the kids 6th grade and under. And I think we ought to be praying for them. Because that's what Jesus did. He prayed for the children. So first I want to ask you individually, do you make time for the children of this church both relationally, making friendships with them, and second, in your prayers? And then second, I want to encourage us all as a pastor that let's try to be a church that acts more like Jesus than the Pharisees when it comes to children in our ministries. So let the children come, Right? If the parents of those children want to, let the children come to the morning worship services and sit under the sermons. They belong there as much as you do. If the parents of those children want to, let those children come to men's breakfasts, to women's events. Let them come to the youth outings. Let them come to the senior fellowships. Let them come to the prayer meetings. Let the little children come. Let's try to ask ourselves as a church more and more, not where are we going to put these kids so that I can have my ministry to me, but how are we going to include these kids so that we can minister to them? Let the little children come. So when I think of a prayer meeting, I'm sorry, I think this. Let the children pray with us. 
I don't know how that works. I don't know what that means about what we need to change as a church. Let the children pray. And let us pray for them also. Children should be praying. And children should be prayed for. So in light of that, as again I mentioned, I got a list from our uh, children's ministries of all the children that regularly participate in our church's ministries. I want to encourage you, if you didn't grab it when you were coming through, grab it when you leave. And I want to encourage you to start praying through that list. If you don't even know the child that that name represents, work on it. Try to figure out who that child is. Pray both for their salvation as well as pray for what child God might be calling on you to build a friendship with. Let the little children come into our prayers and into our lives as a church. And that is proper. That is right. Let the little children come. So that's what I wanted to share tonight in the properness of prayer from Luke 18.